Many of us came as yeah. children of recent immigrants and you know, for the American dream and just trying to make a better life for ourselves and our kids. And I think that's why we are the fifth largest economy is because we have this strong desire to work and to be entrepreneurs and to be better and to, to, to make sure our kids have a better life. So welcome back to Cabot Talks. This is Brian Cabotech. This is John Cabotech. Good on the uptake, John. This is a little show where we get together and we have brothers who are completely opposite sides of the political spectrum or mostly opposite sides of the political spectrum in California, talking about California politics. And we're certainly happy to have today our guest, Fiona Ma. Thank you. Good to see you guys or hear you guys. Yeah. It's great to have you, Fiona. Fiona is, I will note... California's 34th state treasurer elected in 2018 with more votes for treasurer than any other candidate in history. First woman of color to this position, first CPA to this position, and it's tax season. So, wow, this is this is very cool. Great to have you. I will know I will note, John, that the number of votes that she received is about the number of votes more that Biden received in the election. Just wanted to rub that in for you. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Thanks a lot. But since we are talking about taxes, I'm glad that California did conform to the federal law on uh, not taxing PPP. That was a nail biter right there. So we just want to have a conversation and chat a little bit with you about important issues. What are important issues to you and to the people of the state of California? And, you know, I'm always looking out for the little guy. I'm looking out for the employees, the people that work for businesses and access to justice and issues like that. And John, on the other hand, is kind of keep the, the little guy down. So John, with that, back to you, John. It's Fiona, a fierce advocate, uh, small business, and certainly the workers as well. So, you know, it's that fine needle, but Brian, yes, just not forget, you are, you are indeed a small business owner yourself. So uh, anyway, it's good to have you. And yes, my brother who is trying his very best here, uh, Mom loves me more, Brian. Mom loves me more. So, Fiona, let's talk about what are the important issues to you. What's what's going on with you these days and where do you see us going post-COVID? Yeah. So, as John mentioned, I started my professional career working with one of the big eight accounting firms, Ernst & Winnie, in the real estate tax department, spent five years, and then decided to leave and start my own practice and became the president of a small business association. So, that's really how I got involved in politics is really to educate and advocate and to stand up for the small business owners, especially those mom and pop entrepreneurs. And I know John and I have been doing a lot of different webinars over the past year during COVID to try to get out the latest and the greatest information from the feds and the state and the local government. And so we created six COVID resource guides that are updated on a real-time basis. And we really want, this is the problem of being home with my dogs and my dad's coming down the stairs now. Hold on. Okay. So instead of doing in-person meetings and, and conferences, we really pivoted to the Zoom webinars and also these COVID resource guides for small business, individuals, seniors, nonprofits, food access, and tax relief. We also set up a dedicated email address, askfiona at treasure.ca.gov. And we fielded about 900 different COVID-related questions. People uh, can't get through to an 800 number. They're looking for their unemployment check. They threw away their 
debit card, their stimulus debit card, like how do they get a replacement? And so it's been really kind of humbling to be on the ground to understand what the real issues are that people are facing and then being able to advocate to the governor, to the federal government. We wrote 80 letters to Congress, the Treasury, the Federal Reserve on what we need here in in California, who needs help, how they should structure these type of loan and grant programs. And so even though we've been stuck inside in this little virtual one-by-one box, (laughs) we feel like we've been doing a lot to help just everyday Californians just trying to survive. Go ahead, John. Me, Me first, Brian. (laughs) <laughs> no, Fiona, um, of the contacts that you've gotten from people out there as Californians, what's been the biggest question, the biggest ask? What have you been getting your team at the treasurer's office been getting most of the requests for asks? Most of it has been, when are we going to open? You know, we don't understand the tiers. Is, yeah. you know, is, is, is someone going to explain it to us? Are you going to help us with you know, if we, if we can't open up our restaurant, are you going to help us buy, you know, outdoor seating and plexiglass and, and heat lamps? I mean, there's just so many questions of people wanting to stay open, wanting to pay their rent and their mortgage, and just a lot of confusion on how they can adhere to the guidelines while still trying to make a living. Okay, that's all fine. But how at the same time are you ensuring that people are going to stay employed? I'm not talking about the businesses now. My concern is these businesses get the money, but people don't get their jobs back. How do we deal yeah. with that? Yeah, I mean, so so that's part of some of these incentive programs from the federal government, right? Like you can apply, but you have to stay open. You have to you know, keep a certain amount of full-time employees on your payroll. So you just can't lay people off and get the money and you know go on vacation to Mexico. So there's a lot of strings attached to all of the programs that are out there. Sometimes there's not the checks and balances that we would expect during a pandemic. Nobody expected a global pandemic. And, you know, sometimes you open up these portals, you ask people to apply and you hope that they're going to be honest with their information. But as we saw in the unemployment insurance claims that not everybody was honest. And, you know, I think the government wanted to err on the side of caution. They wanted to get the money out as quickly as possible to individuals who need it. And then hopefully people were going to be honest about, you know, applying, but we found that that was not true in all cases. So somebody loses, somebody loses their job. Arguably they've got some unemployment benefits. Is is the state going to run out of money for that? No, because this is a a program that's supported by the federal government. So the federal government Mm -hmm. sends us the money and then we issue the unemployment checks to the people who are claiming it. Is the state using any of its own money for that? Oh, you wanted to ask a question, Sean. Sorry. Did the state no, ask it's all any, yours. Using, using any of its own money for helping to pay workers who can't work? Of course. You know, we have received stimulus payments from the federal government where we are pushing the money out. The state also has dipped into its rainy day fund for certain programs like, you know, eviction moratoriums. The home key project, you know, actually paying for hotel rooms for homeless individuals. I mean, there's all sorts of programs that are out there. And as people do express their concerns and, you know, kind of scream a little louder, then we start to issue or create programs that hopefully will help, you know, ameliorate their problems. Fiona, just the the state coffers are full. We're fortunate, you know, to see the state coffers fuller this this year, this cycle. With that in mind, you know, and before uh, the plaintiff's attorneys get their hands on it, how should, oh, sorry, Brian. 
how do you feel the policymakers in Sacramento should be spending that? You know, I mean, paying down debt. Should there be programs that sh- this money could be spent on? I mean, where do you feel it should go? Yeah. So under Jerry Brown, under his eight years, took over after the Great Recession and paid down our wall of debt and put in a lot of money into our rainy day funds. Uh, But he did not put a lot of money into infrastructure, whether it's technology infrastructure, Mm -hmm. whether it is physical infrastructure. And that's where this new round of stimulus payments from the federal government for infrastructure type of projects that are you know, large scale in nature, one-time cost is really going to be helpful during this time. So that's where I think we should be putting in our our money since we have all this money from the federal government and, you know, whether it's, you know, roads and bridges and rail and especially technology, we can see how crucial technology is to our economy. Your dog agrees. No, I, I agree too. And I think that I don't understand why infrastructure has become a partisan issue. You know, I talk to Republican friends and they like hate Jerry Brown. And I say, Jerry Brown was was more of a friend often to conservative Republicans or fiscally conservative people without respect to party alliances than, you know, many Democrats and, and even Republicans have been. I'm just so tired of hearing this bashing of people who are moderate, regardless of what party they're. Yeah, Jerry Brown was, I I don't want to say a penny pincher, but he did not want to spend money. I mean, his goal was really like post-wartime mentality, right? Let's pay down all our debt. Let's put as much money into our savings because we never know when the next downturn is going to happen. So he was really, really fiscally conservative and he did not sign a lot of bills that had big ongoing commitments or even one-time bills that looked flashy and looked good for a press release, but really couldn't sustain itself over the many years. So Jerry really did a good job. And I think anybody who's fiscally conservative should have appreciated his leadership. But I think one of the issues we hear from people out there, and Fiona, I think, you know, you as a small business person and and understanding, we hear from a lot of people about the accountability of the dollars they send to Sacramento. Your very office and your role as treasurer is making sure that we're fiscally responsible and stewards of tax dollars. But I guess, you know, that's one of the big things, Brian, I think we hear from people out there is, you know, the big concern they have with dollars and that they're sending them to Sacramento, but they're being squandered by drunken sailors. And so anyway, I think that's one thing. When when you you came into the position at Treasurer, you, know, you really talked a lot about how you would clean things up, uh, how you were going to right-size the Treasurer's office. Talk a little bit about that, because you really have done a lot, I know, to fix things, weed out a lot of the, the chaff and uh, doing some good stuff there. Yeah. So when I got here, there were a couple of issues, right? I am the, the state's banker. So all of the revenues, taxes, fees, fines, interest penalties yep. come into my bank, about two plus trillion every year. And I invest the state's idle funds as well as invest for 22 local government units. And I issue all the bonds for the state, all general obligation and revenue, as well as for the CSU and the UC system. So over the last two years, we have refunded uh, a, a lot of bonds and have are saving so far over $4 billion uh, for the taxpayers over the next 20 years. So I'm very happy that we have our eye on, on the prize. And then secondly, thanks to Jess Unruh, when he was speaker and then became treasurer, he really saw this little gold mine so to speak, at the treasurer's office and said, wow, there's so much money here sitting here. Like we should be able to better use our resources and and help 
programs and create more economic activity. So I chair uh, boards that funds hospitals, schools, affordable housing, public transportation, green energy, advanced manufacturing. I also chair three savings boards, Scholarshare 529, CalSavers, and CalABLE. And then I sit on about 10 different other boards, uh, CalPERS, CalSTRS, the California Earthquake Authority, iBank, California Housing Finance Authority. So anything that's happening here in the state that requires money or is being financed, I either chair or I have some sort of say in it. So beside refunding the bonds, uh, I have spent a lot of time focused on affordable housing. And we have two financing agencies under my leadership. One issues the tax credits. We have 9% and 4% tax credits from the federal government. And then we also allocate the bonds, the private activity tax exempt bonds. So I've made a lot of changes uh, to those two programs. I pretty much combine them and have one person overseeing both because when I got here, it was like two hands doing different things and I could never bring the two hands together, right? I mean, they were always like passing each other and it caused a lot of confusion. So I definitely did a lot of streamlining. We created a joint application for the two programs. It's never happened before. I created a stakeholder working group. So normally what government does is government has, you know, policy people that want to change things and they think this is the way it should be done. And then you issue the regulations and everybody's complaining, right? The industry is complaining because they're like, hey, I can't comply with this new carb, you know, regulation because I have an expensive truck and I don't have, you know, 500,000 to buy a new truck. And now you're forcing me to do things. So I went the other way. I created a working group of 30 real stakeholders and had them give us the changes that they would like to see in the regulations, the the whole scoring system, the tiebreaker system, how to allocate the resources geographically. And it's worked really well using my private sector experience kind of in the public sector. Those public-private partnerships, uh, I think, really should be used more so that we can be accountable to the people. So now the stakeholders who are doing this every day, creating all of the thousands of housing units, they know what's happening because they're actually at the table. We try to make everything as transparent as possible. Everything is on the website. Everything I get as a board member, I put up there on the website so that the public can see it. And thanks to COVID, the silver lining is that everyone can call in virtually. So before people had to come to Sacramento, spend all day, wait to testify. And now people can log on at home and listen for the six hour meeting, for example, that we've had sometimes. Well, this is, go ahead. That's, that's all right. It's all, it's, it's fine, John. Go ahead. Ask the question. I'm sure it's not meaningful. No, Brian, it's yours. Take it. No, please, please take it. You know, I really think that we talk about big government and there's big government. And the problem is people don't realize this is a state with 40 million people. And I think that, for example, just recently, we lost a seat in Congress and people are saying, see, people are fleeing California. And that's not true at all. I looked at that statistic and I read into it because I didn't want to be just another person sitting out there talking and trying to explain why we have less people, less members of Congress, for example. And it has to do with the birth rate. It has to do with legal immigration, not illegal immigration in California. But California is a big, giant state. You know, it's a, it's a big place with a lot of people with a lot of different needs. And you got to figure out a way to balance that. And, you know, I keep anybody, anytime one of my friends says, well, I'm tired of California, I'm going to move. I go, enjoy Texas. It's great. You'll love the weather. It's 
one. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I really do try to keep people here and, you know, listen to what they're unhappy about, try to make those changes. And when people want to come here, they want to come to California. And they're always asking me, where can we locate this type of company? And so that's what I've been doing, kind of the ambassador for, for the state to try to find out the best places for people to come and locate and grow and expand. So you know, I, I always- think one of the things that's going to happen too, with the ability to work remotely is that, you know, instead of the big metropolitan areas that you're from and I'm from and John's from, we are going to see more people moving outside of the city and still able to do their work and live a good, happy life. Yep. Well, my sister is here today and she recently moved out to Fresno and the cost of housing has increased tremendously. I think Fresno and Sacramento are the two cities where people are looking to, you know, to buy homes and to relocate. So, you know, good for these cities. The fun fact, our grandfather was the parish priest of the Armenian church in Fresno in the 40s and 50s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, lots of Armenians immigrated Absolutely. to the Central good, Valley. Good couple of weeks for the Armenian community. Before we talk about that, actually, speaking of our family, also our parents met while standing in line at ABC Studios, ABC TV in Los Angeles, Fiona. And to that end, you know, Hollywood, the entertainment industry is just thriving here still, hopefully, and still will continue to. We noticed on your resume that you are a, a member of the Screen Actors Guild. Tell us more. Tell us more about your thriving. <laughs> Just makes me angry. Makes me jealous. <laughs> We're well, totally. Well, it's it's not easy to be an actor. If you've ever been a extra, you sit around all day long, right? Until you know they call you, and then you go back and you sit and you eat food. But you know when. Willie Brown was the mayor here in San Francisco for eight years. Mm -hmm. The mayor really liked to have movies filmed here because he usually got a cameo and then he got to do the party, opening night party. And if they won an Academy, he'd do another party. So for eight years, we had a lot of filming. Robin Williams lived in town. We had Nash Bridges, you know, a lot of different series. And so I was able to get three Taft Hartleys. Uh, that means like major either speaking roles or standing roles over those eight years. And so that's how I got my SAG card. That's awesome. Yeah. That's been always my dream. But, you know, I went into <laughs> the pain end of the acting business. Mm -hmm. So, Fiona, last question for me. Then, John, I'll ask you one last question. We'll have a little fun here at the end. What do you see as the biggest challenge for the rest of 2021? For, from your perspective, from your point of view. Yeah, trying to get open. Fully open. I mean, 25% at a restaurant, 50% at a restaurant, you know, you know, movie theaters and amusement parks. I mean, that is just not going to cut it. So there's a lot of employees still in the hospitality industry that still don't have work. We need to open. We need to get people to work. And that's, I think, the number one priority. The Asian community obviously has experienced serious hate crimes. Brian and I are from the Armenian American community. Obviously, our mom and grandparents, and we're excited about the new recent news. I guess my question to you, our question would be really, what have you seen yourself? You know, what have you experienced over the years? Have you experienced discrimination in the years past? And also, where do you see the hope for where the state and frankly, the nation needs to be not just with Asians, but, yeah. you know, fixing this problem of discrimination? It is a real problem out there. And you, you've proven that you can rise to the to a top level um, and get through those walls. But yeah. what do you thought? Well, I mean, I, I think 
that's the beauty of California is our diversity, right? Many of us came as yeah. children of recent immigrants and you know, for the American dream and just trying to make a better life for ourselves and our kids. And I think that's why we are the fifth largest economy is because we have this strong desire to work uh, and to be entrepreneurs and to be better and to, to, to make sure our kids have a better life. However, there's always discrimination, right? And it seems like history continues to repeat itself. And we just have to be vigilant that when one community gets, uh, gets persecuted or harmed or targeted, we all need to stand up together. And I do think that we have seen that, right? With Black Lives Matters, with this Stop Asian Hate. We had a recent, you know, couple incidences at the Armenian church and the school here in San Francisco, and we all come out and stand with each other. And that's the only way we're going to do it is really try to focus on love and uh, acceptance and, you know, getting along and hopefully focusing on the things that unite us versus divide us. I think that's probably the best thing. And I try to stay positive and not focus on the negative parts of life. Stop being so mean to me, Brian. (laughs) Uh, You're not a protected class, John. (laughs) <laughs> Brothers are not a protected class. So fair enough. I think a lot of this too is that this far right, and it really troubles me and outside the scope of our conversation today. But you know, what's going to happen to the Republican Party? How's it going to fare under this? It's uh, you know, I, I was reading statistics today about how the Republican Party's been decimated in California over the last 25 years. And I, I personally lead it right back to Prop 187, but it's my own personal opinion. I I think that Californians can't don't tolerate this and shouldn't tolerate this. Anyway, those are my two cents. Before we finish today, first I'll give John a, an opportunity to response on behalf of the Republican Party. I love you, Brian. I love you so much. We just need to have more vodka together. So I'm going to leave it at that. So, Fiona, we have a little fun here at the very end. We get to ask you some fast questions, fast, rapid-fire questions. I'll start. John will go. We'll go back and forth for a few minutes here. So my first question is, you've already been a screen act and a member of the Screen Actor Guild. Let's assume now you could be a rock performer. What band or group would you want to perform with? Ooh, I, I, I like to play. I'd like to play with some of the women's bands. <laughs> mm. I used to play. I used to play drums in high school and we did have a band, but I think forming a women's band would be would be what I would be doing. You're the fifth go-go. Exactly. <laughs> now I love I, the now go-go's. I'm really dating. Now I'm really dating myself and all of us here. What is your favorite restaurant? You know, you're in San Francisco. It's just chock full. I mean, I'm not. Now that may be tough because it's. In, what's your What's your favorite type of food that when you and your Jason go out to grab food? I like to eat sushi, so that is my favorite. And I have a couple of favorite restaurants here in my neighborhood. But one of my favorites is Slanted Door with Charles Fan. I mean, his food is Ooh. always yummy and delicious and consistently good. Yum. If you were a cartoon character, what cartoon character would you be? Oh, my God. Cartoon character. Mm. Let me come back to that. Nobody's asked me about cartoon characters. There's no wrong answer. It's okay. There's no wrong answer. Uh, Kung Fu Panda. John? First car that you ever had. What was your first car? That I owned a Mitsubishi. Awesome. Remember what color what color was it? White. Red interior. That's two nice. questions. You can't ask two questions. That's just a sub question. It's a sub question, brother. It's a sub question. Deal. What's your favorite movie? Sound of music. You want me to sing Idolvice? I could. 
Oh, sure. We can sing it together. Maybe go karaoke. <laughs> stop, stop. Our, our dad would be cringing right now. First concert. First concert you ever attend. Kiss. Oh. Awesome. I think you and I are probably, COVID. you and I are probably about the same age. I saw babies with face paint when they were playing a golden one babies with face. Oh. That's, pro- that's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah. Fiona, you've been a great guest. Thank you very much for being with us. I hope that people listening have had an opportunity to get a little light shed on the important things that the treasure of the state of California does. Fiona Ma, she's fantastic. She's awesome. She's, and she's even listened to us today. And a couple times she laughed at our jokes. God bless you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Once in a while. Thank you guys. Stay safe.